welcome to the High Vibe and Healthy podcast. My name is Fran Dargaville and I'm a functional nutritionist specializing in gut health. I'm here to share my down-to-earth, no BS approach to nutrition and health to help you get to the root cause of your symptoms. Enjoy this week's episode and submit your questions at frandargaville.com or via my Instagram, frandargaville. Let's get into it. Hello, hello. In this episode, we are chatting all about breast implant illness, which is when symptoms like fatigue, brain fog, anxiety, depression, and joint pain pop up after someone's had breast implants. We don't have a lot of data on this because right now it's not recognized as an official diagnosis, but more and more women are sharing their experiences and many are also experiencing massive shifts and improvements in their health after having their implants removed. So I think it's really, really important that we're having this conversation. To cover this topic, I spoke with Dr. Kirsty Seward. She is a behavior scientist with a PhD. She's a dietitian and body image coach with over a decade's experience coaching in the health and wellness space. And Kirsty also has her own personal experience with breast implant illness. In the episode, we chat all about breast implant illness, what it is, the symptoms Kirsty experienced, the process of getting explant surgery and what that was like, and her mindset throughout this entire experience. This was such a good conversation, and I think it's a really important one for so many people, and I can't wait to hear your thoughts. So let's get into it. Hey, Kirsty, welcome to the podcast. Hello, and thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to, to be here today. Yeah, I'm really excited to have you here and to be chatting about something that we haven't actually spoken about before on the podcast, and that is breast implant illness. So some people may be aware of this. Some people might be hearing about this for the first time. So could you share with us a little bit about what it actually is? Yeah, this is, it's a great place to start because when I was going for my breast augmentation and getting implants in, I'd never heard of this either. And then once I'd heard about it and was going through the, the journey of breast implant illness, I did a quick Google and it's actually years of evidence and it's actually been known for quite some time. So breast implant illness is essentially a cluster of symptoms such as chronic fatigue, migraines, brain fog, rashes, weight fluctuations that are associated with having breast implants. There is, at present, there is like no set diagnosis. So at the moment, there's studies being done to kind of push for that. So it is this kind of gray area still at the moment around how to diagnose it and what it actually means for many women. Yeah, for sure. That's that's super interesting. And I, I think we've been hearing a lot more about this in the last couple of years. I've seen people sharing their stories on Instagram and podcasts and that kind of thing, really just in this last couple of years. But you sort of mentioned that people have been sharing about this for a long time. How long, when you've had a look back, how long are people, you know, sharing their experiences of this? Yeah. And I think this is one of the beautiful elements of social media, right? I think social media does get discredited a lot of the time and we, we hear the negative of social media, but this awareness piece around how much awareness around even just breast implant illness is increasing. And I think platforms like social media are really giving that, giving it that space to to increase the awareness and be more well-known. When I did a Google search, going back and reading some women's stories and even some of the women that, that I connected with through support groups, we're looking at like 20 years ago. So it's not something that hasn't been known. I guess we can say that the research hasn't been there for the reasons 
we don't know. Like we we can we can see both sides. Like obviously, cosmetic surgery is a very profitable business, but then also breast implant illness may be hard to diagnose. So the the research just hasn't been there. But I think definitely we're seeing those studies there now. And a lot of more women are feeling confident to share these stories and they're listening to their bodies, they're standing up for themselves and, and they're having these conversations now, which is so great. Yeah, for sure. So, so true. And I think that's exactly what you've shared about people, you know, being more confident with sharing and the more people share their stories, the more mm-hmm. people can, you know, witness that. And I suppose you probably kind of get what you're looking for, right? When you're going to go and get an augmentation, I'm sure you spend plenty of time on Google, depending on how long ago you actually went and and did that. And you're probably not usually coming across this kind of information unless you're actually looking for it. And I'm going to guess at no point in time you were really given, you know, by surgeons or doctors any idea that this could be something that Mm. might take place by going through this process. Yeah. And I'm very honest about this. I'd never heard of it before I, as I was getting my augmentation or before I even, my friend raised it when I was in the middle of being really unwell and going through all these symptoms. And I I wasn't informed about it. I was certainly informed about the the common complications that we have with implants. I knew they weren't lifetime devices as well. Like they need to be replaced every say 10 years and there's risk of them rupturing or leaking, but breast implant illness and the symptoms associated with that were, were never something that were raised or that I had had looked into. And where I was in that moment, back to 25-year-old me getting implants, I was so tunnel visioned and that was my decision that I openly say, I don't know if my mind would have been changed. So yeah, that's an honest piece there. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really helpful to have that awareness of, Mm. you know, where you were at at that point in time. And I think that's definitely the case, you know, in for so many people with similar procedures, it's just all about, you know, I guess that procedure and the outcomes of that. And also I think we often think that's never going to happen to me, you know, that's happening to those people and I'm going to be just fine. And it's not likely to be something that actually affects me. So yeah, I think that's, that's helpful to know. And then also just to have that taking out the judgment on yourself for making that decision at that time and knowing that you were just doing the best that you can or the best that you could with the knowledge that you had at the time. Cause I'm sure, you know, the mindset around this whole thing is challenging for sure. It's, it's huge. And yeah, we can definitely dive, dive into it. So there's a few emotions that I experience personally and through supporting women through this journey. Now I can see they also experience and you've touched on a couple there. And the first one is that kind of denial because I remember when I first my first my friend first raised it when I was really unwell and she thought hey do you think this might be it and I was like no I'm I'm just busy I'm I'm running my business I'm working at the uni I'm having a social life I've just finished my PhD like I'm just busy and I'm just tired it's normal fatigue so there was definitely that denial piece there and then eventually down the track when it landed that I remember going for more appointments, getting more and more unwell and nothing, nothing resolving. And I had the appointment with my naturopath when I walked out and I knew that was, I knew in my gut that breast implant illness was the case for me and I was now facing it. There was that, 
guilt piece then and the need to try and step into forgiveness or the process to then step into forgiveness of what was I thinking when I was 25 and I didn't do it at 25 with bad intent to have this outcome I did it because that's what I felt at the time was the thing to do for me had I known that this was going to the outcome and that five years less than five years later I'd be getting them removed with my health rapidly declining I couldn't answer that then because I didn't have the information that I that I have now. So a really big piece of this is, like you said, sitting with yourself and honouring that I made that decision at that time. It was the best decision of the information that I knew and where I was at in my life at that time. And today is a different moment of time. Yeah, so that really that forgiveness piece around I acted the best I knew how then. My mindset, my level of healing, my connection to myself because this journey itself is a massive it's a massive healing journey if you allow it to be it will open up so many doors to you connecting with yourself on a deeper level from a body image angle from a self-worth piece from a self-love piece from healing even some childhood trauma has come up through this journey so yeah working through all of those emotions that come with the journey and that forgiveness is a strong one that's there thanks for sharing that i think that's really helpful for someone who is you know, on the other side, as in just getting started with their awareness and, you know, making decisions around this. I imagine that it's, it's so challenging, but to see someone that's actually walked that and gone through it. And I'm sure it wasn't easy and there would have been so many challenges and it would have been a complete mindfuck at various times. But, you know, to see that in, in some ways it has been a personal development journey Mm. is, I think that's helpful, you know, to have that insight for sure. Yeah, and it's been a much bigger journey. Like for me, it was, and I guess from people looking out and I've, I've, I've had this, like I've had people come back and say, like, you got them put in, you are like, what did you expect? You're asked kind of like you're asking for this. So if that ever comes up for any woman that's listening and that piece kind of, kind of comes up for you from other people, because not everyone has... Not everyone has the same awareness of this or understanding of what you're feeling. And I know what it feels like to be so unwell sitting in this. And then to say, to voice it, like to even voice it to people and say, hey, I think my implants are making me unwell. It's really, not everyone's going to grasp that. So I think there will also, at times we, we get that, the judgment back, well, well, you got them in, you asked for it. So if any woman's sitting in that right now, you did not ask for this. Like you did not go in with an intent of getting implants and then becoming unwell and then having to go through the decision of getting them removed. And for, I guess, what this journey has really taught me is going into it, it's like it appears to be a body image piece. (laughs) Like it appears to be just an external piece, but it's a much deeper layer than that. It's For me, it was really around that self-worth and why was I attaching so much of my worth an identity at times and I know many women would be resonating with this right now to having implants and to being that version of me because getting them removed isn't just about removing a physical object from your body it's actually you're losing a piece of your identity so it's honoring that process as well yeah for sure and I guess on that note going back to when you actually first got the Mm. implants what was it that you were sort of seeking or looking for at that time? And do you feel like when you actually got the implants in the first place, 
they, you know, they provided that and they, I guess, helped you, you know, feel better about yourself, feel more confident. What was that kind of process Mm. like for you? So in that time of my life, now that I look back on it, (laughs) with this is hindsight, right? And reflection, it's been a lot of self-reflection to get to this point. I'd grown up being around, like my mum worked in the beauty industry. So I'd grown up heavily involved in that kind of space, the whole messaging around beauty is pain was a big one that was that was there and I'm not saying focusing on beauty is bad at all I'm just hinting here that our environment growing up can have an impact on the decisions that we make and then I was at this time of my career being a dietitian I was actually working heavily in the diet culture gym gym space like the fitness culture space and so many women around me had them and it just felt like for me I I was at that point in my fitness in my in my, I just felt like it was a natural step for me. I definitely, looking back, always had this body image pace of never feeling quite there with my body, never feeling good enough. And I thought that by getting these implants, maybe that would just make me feel that little bit, or might make me that little bit more good enough. I was also in quite a toxic relationship at the time. So that is a headspace of where I was at. Did that influence my decision? I can't really say, but yeah, that just kind of paints a picture of where where I was at in my life. And I was definitely not as connected to myself and my purpose and, and the relationship with myself was nowhere near as deep as it is now. And I guess to some level that could be normal for a 25, a mid 25 year old, right? Who hasn't quite who may have not done the inner work yet, connected, really connected to self, kind of. I guess for for what I'm trying to say is I didn't really, I wasn't really taking intentional direction or felt connected to my purposes yet. It was more still that external kind of image seeking, that external validation seeking and wasn't really connected to that inner self. Does that make sense? A hundred percent. And I think, you know, pretty much everyone is mm. at that mm. space at that age, you know, yeah. it takes a long time to sort of, I guess, develop that relationship with yourself. And I mean, like, <laughs> I'm, what am I? I think I'm 34 or something. Yeah. I feel like I'm just getting Still there now, it, right? you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I've definitely come a long way, but you know, I think whether it's getting something like cosmetic surgery or drinking or drugs or just mm. really terrible self-talk, you know, there's mm-hmm. so many ways that we you know, again, not to say that that's what it's all about, but, you know, we're often seeking things in all of these different ways to, yeah, make us feel good enough or, yeah. or whatever it is. So it totally makes sense. And I also feel like when I've, when I've done some deep reflection now, looking back, it was like adding another layer onto me so that my authentic self could just hide that little bit more. And if I just had this thing that, this shiny thing here, so let's, if I just had boobs and then people would, that would almost be a distraction. I could, I could keep hiding my true self. I didn't realize that was what I was doing back then. But looking back now, I can see that like I was almost afraid to really show my true self to, to some, in some way. In my career and stuff, never doubted myself. Never, never, never lacked confidence there. But this body image piece and this self-worth of like, am I good enough piece was so strong back then. Mm, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. I think that's that's really helpful. And it's really common as well for people yeah, to have and- one area of life where they're feeling more confident and things are going, you know, well, whether it's the relationship or the career or something like that, you know, mm. but so common to have some sort of area where you feel like you're, you know, constantly trying to 
I guess, keep up or prove yourself or, or whatever it is. Yeah, and I guess going back to your other question as well around did, did they improve the confidence? I felt at times implants made me more self-conscious because they then attract a different type of attention. Yeah, that's really interesting and it's, mm. it's helpful to have that. And I think sharing that sort of environment as well with the gym culture, diet culture, all those mm. kind of things, that's helpful because I was definitely in that place myself probably, you know, early to mid twenties yeah. doing the whole like bodybuilder right? style style yeah. diet and training, you know, getting up obscenely early to train every morning and, and those kind of things. And I think it's it's kind of assumed that you will do that, you know, in that yeah. environment. It's everyone does it. Every single person that is kind of at the top of their game in that area has implants, basically, mm. right? So it's kind of assumed, okay, your body fat drops to a certain percentage so automatically you're just going to go out and and get implants and if you don't I guess you know what's what's that saying about you I suppose it's that culture of like that external validation and we're judging from the appearance yeah we've all been there right Mm. and I I bet everyone listening can resonate to this to some level yeah 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 that's the thing whether it's that or you know something else I think we all have some version of that and it can definitely look different but yeah it's it's helpful to have this reflective piece now Mm. from from someone who's been through that so you mentioned a little bit about fatigue but what Mm. were some of the initial signs and symptoms that you were experiencing that made you start to suspect that breast implant illness may be what's going on for you yeah so my symptoms really started to hit in 2020 I was just, the fatigue was probably one of the biggest ones I noticed. I'd gone from being able to exercise and work out five days a week to to napping. I was napping every day around like one o'clock for one or two hours just to then make it through the evening. Like I didn't have the energy and I was teaching at the time. And I remember Wednesday was my biggest back-to-back lecturing day. And there was absolutely no way I could have done anything on the Tuesday afternoon or the Tuesday night. Otherwise, I wouldn't have made it through the next day. So I got to this place where I was like conserving my energy and really having to plan. What did my day look like? Because what did I have coming up tomorrow? Because I had to kind of balance this energy. And the fatigue was something I'd never really experienced before. I'd always been very active and be able to do all the things. But other things just get popping up as well, like repeat, like little viral infections. I had some rashes, migraines were something. I'd never had migraines in my life. And now all of a sudden here they were to the point where I was having to be in like that dark room. My vision was going blurry. My hair was snapping and just wouldn't grow and like hair loss. So I remember on one of my hairlines on the left side of my head, I just was like, it was thinning, thinning so much. Looking back now, that was happening since I got my implants in. Like my hair was probably at its longest when I got them. And then over the years, it just, I kept having to cut it shorter and shorter. And it's now two and a half years without, with my implants removed. And it's now back to the long, like the longest and the thickest and healthiest it's, it's been. What else? Brain fog. It was really bad as well. So I always refer this back to like, I went from writing an 80,000 word thesis to some days not even being able to write an email. And the frustration that came with that, with like running a business, with teaching, with trying to just show up was a lot. So I was, I'd always been someone who was, who found like academically or work-wise quite, quite easy. And then I was struggling to just do like the bare minimum for my day. So they were probably some of the more significant symptoms. I also was gaining weight. 
I never really had like a problem gaining weight previously. My weight was always pretty stable. Up until when I went for my surgery, I'd gained like about seven kilos of fluid and I was at the heaviest that I'd been. My Also, my muscles were fatiguing and my joints were aching when I would sleep. So I'd go to bed and I'd feel like my whole body was just aching and that was the inflammation and the fluid retention. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good picture of some Mm. of the symptoms that I was experiencing. And these were all gradual over time. So these were all starting to happen, but it wasn't until like, yeah, it was 2020 when I really started to notice that they were having a significant impact on my life. And then by mid to late 2020, that was when I started to make the steps towards, okay, I believe this is, I now have to face this. I can no longer sit in denial that this is happening because in early 2020, when I first had these symptoms, I'd mentioned it to my friend and she'd also been through this journey. And she goes, hey, do you think you might be possibly have breast implant illness? Like it's something to think of. And I was like, no, 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 that's not me. But then as my blood started to show as well, like my thyroid markers by yeah, mid to late 2020, it was around, it was November, October, November. I was like, yeah, I think, I think I now have to face this. Mm-hmm. And I guess, did you go through a process of elimination of trying different things first? Like, were you trying to change your diet and, you know, do different things to work on these symptoms? And then it kind of got to the process of, I guess, elimination. Well, I've tried all the things. Mm. This seems like the, the next step. I was actually. And being a dietitian, my diet is nowhere near perfect, don't get me wrong, but it was pretty consistent. Like, I'd, it was pre- it was pretty balanced. And Yeah, I was doing a period of I'd gone gluten-free to see if that would try and help with things and and boost my energy because the potential for fatigue to be there. But yeah, nothing really. I was really conserving my energy, being conscious of like, how much am I saying yes to? What am I saying no to? Like really actively being present and, and focusing on that as well and cutting back. I was starting to scale back in some of my business stuff as well. So I was I was I was slowing myself down. I was trying to reduce the stress there as well. I dropped back some exercise from such high intensity, but then my body couldn't physically do it as well by the end. So mm. definitely there was things that I'd tried, some tonics and stuff as well. But yeah, nothing seemed to be to be helping. Yeah, so when you started to suspect this, mm. what were the next steps that you took? Did you go to a GP? Did you start, you know, doing some research? Yeah. What did that look like? Good old Google. So I I did jump on Google, I'm going to be honest, like we all do it, right? And started looking into it. And I was like, all these women are saying the same thing. And it's very familiar around what what I was experiencing. It was like identical almost. I was with, I was consulting with my GP throughout this as well. So as different things would come up, we were, I would be back there again and we would be going through it all. And he was actually really supportive, which I know is actually quite rare in this, in, with breast implant illness, not not a lot of, or there's, I know it's increasing, but many GPs aren't aware of it or it's, it's not in their realm of, in their realm of practice. So yeah, I was definitely trying to do things. And then I would, yeah, consulting with my GP, working with my naturopath. So yeah, I was doing some herbal tonics, some vitamins and trying to shift it as well. Yeah. And then I suppose what, what were the next steps from there? Were you getting, did you yeah. get a referral to, was that basically next step, just looking straight mm. into explants? Were you, you know, speaking yeah. to, I guess, surgeons about whether that might be what you were dealing with? So I remember joining a support group on Facebook and there, at the time I joined it, there was over 50,000 women in there 
who are all experiencing the same thing. I think that group is now at like over 150,000. So I definitely saw, I got, I met, connected with a few women in there. But in terms of the actual, yeah, the next steps for surgery, I went to my GP and got a referral and it was the same process as it is like when you go for an augmentation, researching surgeons, booking consults, sometimes waiting three to six months for that consult to be available and then having those consultations and yeah, talking about what the next steps are involved in booking that surgery. I was incredibly lucky. I don't know who was looking over me. I say it's my nan, but I happened to get two appointments with surgeons on the same day. So there was one in Sydney and one on the Central Coast. So I had both the consults with my with the two surgeons I was considering. I'd also reached out to my surgeon that had done my augmentation, but he was unavailable until many months later. So I had these two consults. The first surgeon, I walked out of that in tears because I guess even when you're researching what breast implant illness is and you read about the next steps around explaining getting them removed... It wasn't until that consult that I learned the intricacies and the actual steps of what's involved in getting them removed. And then that surgeon was talking about fat grafting and like trying to fill them back up in the same operation. And I really just didn't feel seen or heard. And I just, I walked out of that in absolute tears and I rang my best friend and I was like, I don't know if I can do this. Like it just seemed like a lot. The next consult, I then drove back to the coast of the next consult and met with my surgeon who I ended up choosing and the conversation was so different. She was so compassionate. She spoke about it very relaxed and like took me through every step and really eased me. And I knew that she was the surgeon for me. And I always encourage women to have multiple consults like, and trust your gut with this. Like you'll know the feeling, not saying there's good and bad, right? The first surgeon may have been the right surgeon for others. He wasn't for me. So yeah, definitely like do your research on surgeons as well but it's the same process that you would have been through in getting the augmentation do all of the surgeons that do the augmentations also do the explant surgery is it you know difficult to find someone to actually go through that procedure and this is the challenging element of this whole journey as well is it's like you know you're unwell and you know something i'm getting teary as i talk about this you know that you don't feel right. And there are surgeons who yet don't believe that it's a thing, breast implant illness. And there are surgeons who who don't remove implants, who will continue to only put them in. However, there is the flip side as well of surgeons who are now only explanting and taking them out. So there is still quite that divide, but there is definitely more awareness coming or happening at the moment with surgeons. And there's some very clear surgeons who are, who are backing the research and looking and supporting women through this. But it's actually also, for me, it was a big advocacy piece as well around like speaking up for myself and knowing that this was the right decision for me. Mm. Mm. So, and that's why I encourage you to do your research as well and look for surgeons who have experience in removing these implants because it does take skill. There is certain elements of it, depending on how your implants are placed and being able to remove the whole capsule as well. So, when we get the implant put in, our body's immune system, as it naturally does for everything that tries to get into our body, forms a capsule around the implant. So when we remove those implants, it's recommended that that, that capsule comes as well. So they remove the capsule as well, ideally as one whole piece, not broken. But what can happen sometimes is that capsule is actually attached to our ribs. So it can be quite 
tricky to remove not trying to scare anyone just telling you what I was told and what I experienced as well it can it takes quite skill to remove that as well yeah and I'm guessing even, you know, obviously you're supposed to replace the implants Mm. at sort of regular intervals anyway. Do they, do you know if they need to remove the capsule to do that process or is it more Um, just like replacing the implant? Well, uh, yeah, because I never got to that point of having Mm. mine in for that 10 year mark. And it's not really, I, to be honest, a lot of women I've connected with have had them for way longer than the mm. than the recommended date. I can't comment on what. Yeah, I'm not sure what that what that procedure looks like because I never got to that point in my implants of needing them to be replaced, but I had yeah. them removed. Yeah. For years, I've been using GI map testing to help my clients get to the root cause of their digestive symptoms. This test reveals what's going on in your gut and driving your symptoms, from pathogens like parasites and candida to digestive dysfunction and leaky gut. I've just hit publish on a brand new free GI map gut testing guide explaining everything about the test, who it's for, how it works, and specifics on what the test looks at, and a sneak peek into a sample report. It's all in there. If you're curious about the GI map test and whether it might be the next step in your journey to overcoming your gut issues, this is the best place to get started. Head to the link in the show notes or my Instagram bio to download your free copy. Could you share with us a little bit about, you know, you did did mention there mm. about the capsule, like what that procedure actually kind of looked like and then also the recovery mm. from there because I think, you know, everything's so different for everyone. But, you know, there are some people that I've seen sharing about their experience who were almost, even though it's, a huge sort of procedure to go through and, and surgery started to feel instantly better within yeah. days of, of that procedure. So could you share a little bit about your experience there? Yeah, it's it's crazy. So my experience again was, it was during COVID. So I remember my best friend drove me to the hospital and I had to walk in alone, which was a lot. Like I always say that that's probably the bravest steps I've taken, like walking through there, going into surgery And I think this will land for a lot of women still to some degree being like, what if this doesn't work? Like, but for me, I was at that point where I said, well, even if it doesn't work or or solve my symptoms, at least that's 50 chemicals out of my body that I can rule out. So walked into the the hospital, got dressed for theatre, was quite nervous, reached out to a few of my support networks that I had. One of the women had been through Explan as well, so she was there with me the whole time. Actually, going back, I actually cancelled my first surgery. <laughs> yeah, so this is like, these are the emotions, and I really, I talk openly about this because it's not just like, not for everyone, or certainly for me, it wasn't just like you take the next step and it's locked in. It, there is like that that to and fro, like back and forth a little bit, like am I doing the right thing? And, and for me, a big part of it was I got to the point where I started journaling and I had to cut out everyone else's opinions and sit with myself. And that's that's why I started journaling and it helped me get through this, through this journey to really start to listen to myself and what was the right decision for me at this moment. So I was meant to go for surgery in late December. It was like seven days before my birthday, my 30th birthday. So you can imagine single 30-year-old getting implants removed. Like there was so much going on in in my mind. When I actually cancelled because I was worried about the recovery over my birthday. 
And then my birthday falls just before Christmas. So like days before Christmas. So I was like, will I be out of action for the family? And then what will it be like recovering in a time of that celebration? Like, will I have the energy? Because at the moment I don't have energy. Like what, I just didn't know what that would look like. So I ended up canceling it and I rebooked for the for the January the 8th. And that happened to be my nan's birthday, actually. So I knew that moment. I was like, this is the date for me. So I was in the hospital getting ready for theatre and then went to sleep, as you do. <laughs> the surgeon chatted to my surgeon, went through to theatre. And then from the moment I woke up, I just felt so different. I just, I was like, I woke up and it was just like this ping and I felt this energy and I felt better than I'd had in a long time. And it was, and women talk, that women share this, how instant it is. And for me, I can 100% say that was the case. So hard to comprehend, right? It's, it is <laughs> it just so makes no hard. sense almost. Yeah. I, I woke up and I, I felt, I, like I physically felt, and this is the only way I can put it into words, I physically felt like my body was saying thank you and that I was back home in my body, that it was no longer fighting. And I'm getting shivers as I say this now because that's that's the only way I can put it into words. It was like my body was just saying thank you, like I don't have to fight anymore. Mm, mm. Mm. And and how about the body image Mm. side of things, going through that procedure? Like what were your thoughts the first time when you could, I guess, you know, see what your, I guess, new or old, mm. you know, breasts old, and body look boots. like. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And these are all the questions like, what am, what the fuck am I going to look like? And even the first surgeon that I met with was like, he used the word deformed. Like, it's like, you have a risk of your bo- boobs looking deformed. So all these questions And I'm just sharing this because I know that women listening to this will have these same questions going through their mind. Like, what am I going to look like? Will I like them? Will I be attractive? Will I be sexy still? But the first moment looking in the mirror was, again, I'll never forget it because I felt, I looked at my body and I was just like, you are so beautiful. And I, I, yeah, I'm struggling now to even, it's just been and it's just cemented a relationship with my body that is so deep now and so much stronger. And I have so much gratitude for my body and I'm in awe of it. I'm in awe of the, the, its ability to heal so quickly, its ability to support me. And yeah, looking at my poops for the first time, I was just in awe. Mm, mm. Mm. And that's, that's so good to hear as well, because it's obviously we want to, you know, feel better, to get that energy back, to not deal with the brain fog or the migraines Mm. and all of those symptoms that you're experiencing. But to have that on top of also having that, you know, experiencing that love for your body as it is, I think that's really, really powerful to, to hear you share that. Yeah. And it was the first time probably in my life I'd really felt at peace with it because going back to our conversation before around being stuck in that diet culture and like and pushing and trying to change our body all the time and doing all these things to get this external outcome and then it was like probably the first time I'd ever been like I'm just so at peace with with everything Mm. Mm. I love that Mm. and I think it's definitely not the experience for everyone but I think just in terms of just you know aging and and getting older having that acceptance you know I think back to myself at age 
18 or 20 or, you know, just in my younger years and just being so self-conscious and wanting to, you know, change my body all the time. And I, I look around now at, you know, how easy it is to just, you know, go and get all of these mm. procedures, not not as much for getting things like the, you know, implants, but so many procedures are just so assumed that you'll you'll do and just so easy to, to get done these days. Whereas I think, you know, for myself, at least just getting older and, and having that acceptance of myself as I am and just focusing more on living my life and enjoying my life and, you know, keeping my body, you know, fit and healthy and having that sort of balance. I'm just so much more focused on on those things for myself personally, as opposed to when I was in my early 20s, counting all my calories mm. and macros and not allowing myself to even have, you know, maybe cocktails with a friend or, you know, going and getting ice cream and, and those kind of things. It was so focused on that control and how I looked as opposed to my actual enjoyment of life. And I think, yeah, part of that comes with age, but also going through an experience like this, you know, I'm guessing some of that is, you know, resonating for you in terms yeah. of, I guess, what, what you're sharing with, with your experience as well. Yeah. It's, it's shifting the relationship with like your body and your self-care. For me, this really shifted big around appreciation rather than than punishment because I was thank you for sharing that because I think we've all been there where we we especially now I think this young this mid-20s this 20s like early 20s to mid-20s is this time of when we're getting fed so many different messages and where it is we're doing things to punish our body or to look a certain way but now that relationship's so opposite and it's like appreciation and how can I how can I appreciate and take care of my body not want to change it but just take care of it so it can thrive and even before this journey I don't think I would have even been able to tell you what my values were like (laughs) and now after going through this I'm like I'm so connected to my values and I show up that way and I, I I have a very clear intention around what the relationship with my body I desire that to look like and how that how that how I show up for that so it's a very different relationship and I'm the same as you I'm now in this beautiful phase of how can I honor my body for all that it's doing and how can I take care of it for it to be its best because it's already enough right now and how can I how can I keep honoring that Boom, mm. mic drop. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I'm no, longer, awesome. I'm no longer coming from this place of like, I have to get here to be enough. It's like, I'm already enough right now and my body supports me, carries me through every moment as it is right now. Like what is more enough than that? Yeah, absolutely. And it takes the mm. guilt and shame out of everything. I think, you know, for me with choices around the food that I would yeah. have and you know, whether I would sleep in or, you know, wake up at 4.45am to go to the gym, you know, all that like guilt and and shame and all of that that I used to experience is, you know, really gone when I've now moved that focus towards what we've been sharing about, you know, enjoying life, feeling good, nourishing our bodies, you know, all of that. It's such a different intention and place to come from. And even like we're sharing this now, but even on my podcast, I I interview women who have gone through explants so that other women can hear their stories as well, like lived experiences. And they all say this similar thing as well, how this journey has helped them shift from that external focus and that, that lens of judgment to a more appreciative and 
self-care, like that attention of it's love at the end of the day. Like mm-hmm. it's how can I show up with with love and take care of myself? Definitely yeah. bringing a smile to my face right now. Yeah, <laughs> I love to hear that. <laughs> it's such a more peaceful place or grounded place to come from. And I think anytime we try to do something from a place of judgment or not being enough, there's going to be that struggle there. Mm, but now, definitely. and I resonate to what you were saying before, because now I wake up and I'm like, oh, I want to go and move my body because I know it feels good for my body. And I want to eat that part, that pasta. I, I want to do these things. Like showing up for movement now isn't about punishment or because I, I ate the wrong thing. It's because I know my body feels good doing it and after it. Totally. Mm. That's the thing. You might be doing the exact same things. You know, I'm actually training probably almost as much, mm. although in a different way, but there's just a completely different energy and, and intention to that. And it's more about, I get to do this and it's enjoyable yes. and I feel so good versus I have to do this and I'm going to beat myself up if I don't. Yes. And this all takes time to get here. And usually it, it's, it's usually a catalyst. Like <laughs> we change for like they say we change for two reasons, right? With I've with either got enough evidence, enough or enough information to do it, or we're pushed to because we're in so much pain. And for me in my journey, it was I got to that point where I, my health was declining that I had to really go in and go through this journey of healing these wounds and this body image stuff so that I could start showing up the best I could for my body. Now that journey could have gone either way. I could have rejected it and had that resistance to it and seen it as such a negative thing because yes it was fucking hard (laughs) like so hard but I look back now and I have so much gratitude for the journey because if I didn't go through that then I I don't know if I would have asked myself those deep questions that I did during that Mm -hmm. Mm. yeah so true and I think you know this is definitely one of those things that as you said, has the opportunity to be a personal development journey. Mm. And for myself, it was chronic fatigue syndrome. And, you know, for many of my clients, it's various chronic health challenges. And it may be this, you know, breast implant illness as well. So for someone who Mm. has implants, who may be dealing with these sort of chronic symptoms and suspects that this might be something that they're dealing with, what advice would you give to them? Hmm. Number one would be like, be kind, like be kind to yourself and, and really support yourself through each step. Cause it is a, it's a wave. It can be a wave of emotions. And almost every woman that you speak to who's been on this journey will say, and as I've talked about already, like it's, it's a ride of emotions. Some days will feel really good. And some days you're like, what am I doing? Is this right? So really know to support yourself through that. And meet yourself where you're at. If you're not ready to take that plunge, meeting like booking surgery yet, then you're not there yet. And that's okay. Like really support yourself for the moment that you're in and take those steps as they feel right for you. And definitely do as much research as you can. Speak to women who have, who have lived the experience. Welcome to reach out to me and, and collect the evidence. Because there will be that, probably likely that period of denial where you don't want to believe that it is a thing and could this potentially be me? And I encourage you to lean into those conversations and lean into those that evidence and really start to unpack it for yourself. Yeah. yeah. 
That's that's super helpful. I, I really like that. Yeah. You know, on your own timeline, just gathering that information and taking the pressure off for it to, you know, happen. And, you know, as you sort of shared, often there is waiting processes. You may have to speak to multiple mm. surgeons. So I think just taking that pressure off is, is really helpful advice. And also for you, you know, the first surgeon that you spoke to, you didn't go ahead with that to know that you can explore yeah. this and get those referrals. And it doesn't mean that you have to, you know, go ahead with that surgeon or even, you know, in the immediate future with the surgery. Yeah. And letting your journey look different in this journey, like you kind of, you, you want to almost not compare, but you want to know that you're similar to someone else or, and that, and that's, and I'm even referring to like looking for photos of women that are a similar size and shape to you to see what you might look like when you get them out. Like really let this journey be yours and let it look the way it, it is for you and know that that may be, you may be someone who knows that they are suffering with breast implant illness and you make those steps quite quickly. Or you may be someone who, who has to sit with it for a while. And, and I coached a lady through it and it took her two years to get to the point where she was like, okay, I'm ready to get them removed now. Because there was a lot of emotional and trauma to unpack before she got to the point where she was ready to remove them. So yeah, let your journey be what it is for you and let it look like, and, and like you said, the pace for you. Mm, mm, such good advice. Mm. And I know you said you wouldn't, you know, change your mind. Probably <laughs> nothing would have changed your mind at age mm. 25. But if you could have gone back in time and spoken to yourself, you know, in the three to six months before you got the augmentation in the first place, of course, knowing that, you know, probably nothing would have changed your mind. What what would you have shared to yourself yeah. if you could have send, sent yourself a, a message? I would, so I would say, and I always say this actually to women who are at this point, is know what you're really getting the implants for. What is the true reason behind that? And be really honest with yourself. And it's okay, no matter what your reason is, but just be really honest with yourself around what the reason you're getting the implants for, because there are many reasons why women get breast implants. And the second point is do the research and because I don't believe we can ignore this anymore. I don't believe, I believe you'd be doing yourself a disservice if you didn't look into this, if you're aware of it and you didn't actually even have a conversation with a woman who may have been through it. So I think really look into all of the risks that are associated, associated with this surgery because going and having like, and this is, and I've had conversations with other practitioners that work in this area as well. We're so sold that like a breast augmentation is, is like, it's just a day surgery. You go in and you, and you get out and it's like, it's so quick and it's painless and it's like, it solves all your problems. It's actually major surgery. Like you're, you're getting cut open, you're inserting things into your body. So I think really be aware of the risks and not only the immediate, but the long-term risks and be brave and have those conversations with women straight up so that you are aware of what symptoms to look out for. You're aware of how to take care of the implants and you're going into it fully informed and can make proper consent. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, as you've shared as well with things like you're supposed to be getting those mm. replaced and, and those kind of things, I think, especially when we're a little bit younger, we can say, oh, <laughs> 10 years away. That's, that's ages away. I think away. about Maybe it 10 years, right? Future me yeah. will deal with that, you know, <laughs> but to actually realize that, you know, that point in time is going to come, whether it's getting implants replaced or mm. something like this developing, just having that sort of 
awareness. But again, you know, 20 year old, 25 year old, you know, it's a little tricky, but I think that's, that's really, really good advice. And I think also just one point there as well is, is the financial implications of that too. Like you haven't just got the augmentation cost, you've got the every 10 years, the cost of getting them replaced, but then also the explant surgery itself is also a similar cost. So I don't want to erase that with like to put a, a negative connotation towards it, but like I think, yeah, even looking at it from that angle, the financial cost of this of this surgery as well, mm. because that's mm. something that many women are now facing having to get them removed and to pay for that surgery as well. Yeah, that's yeah. a really really good point, and uh, yeah, I think and that's that's really helpful for sure. Yeah, and to be honest. At that, when I got them, I probably wasn't financially prepared for the ongoing maintenance of that surgery as well. For sure, mm. for sure. And again, I think that's you know the future me problem yeah. kind of you know <laughs> approach, which I think is is so so common. But that's just another thing to add to all of the the stress and the the reason why you know it may take more time, and just another reason for all the sort of I guess mindset work around this that you're you're sharing about which is really really helpful thank you so Kirsty, you have shared so much with us this has been absolutely awesome do you have anything else that you want to touch on or any final sort of messages or anything before we wrap up yeah i think i would always say i always say to the women who who may be going through this journey at the moment is you know your body best like you know you know what doesn't feel right So just trust that, like trust that and advocate for yourself. And if you're not being heard or seen, like keep pushing and find, find people who will listen because they're out there. Such good advice. Mm. Yeah. Such good advice. So where can people find you online and learn more from you? And I know you also have an ebook coming out soon to support people through this process as well. So share with us all the things. So the best place to find me is probably Instagram. So it's at Dr. Kirsty Seward, and I'm sure you'll link it in the show notes. And yes, I am about to launch an ebook for breast implant illness and explant as a guide. It includes all of the information about breast implant illness, about booking a surgeon. But what I've really included in the book as well is is personal things that helped me. So it's got journal prompts, it's got meditations, it's got books that I read, and it's got all my lived experience and resources in there for you as well. So it's really a complete guide to help take you through this process and unpack it step by step. Yeah, I love that. Sounds like an awesome resource for anyone going through this. So thank you so much, Kirsty. This has been absolutely amazing. Everyone go and check her out on Instagram, check out the guide if this is something that you're dealing with. And yeah, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. It's just such a great opportunity to raise awareness and and to chat with you. Thanks for joining me for another episode of the High Vibe and Healthy podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you want my help to get to the root cause of your symptoms, head to my website, frandargaville.com to learn more about my programs. If you want to connect with me day to day, Instagram is the place to be. Follow me at frandargaville and you can find all of those links in the show notes. And finally, please note that the materials and content within this podcast are intended as general information only and are not considered to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis or treatment. 